Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Believe Sports Business, uh, Sports Media, also heard on pod clips around the world. I'm Fred. You can email us at sportsfred at AOL.com, sportsfred at AOL.com. Have a bit of laryngitis. Apologize for that. Art Source is in Pennsylvania without laryngitis. Uh, Art, of course, uh, runs Galaxy Sports out of PA and uh, also former kicker for the Rams and the Trojans. Artie, I got to ask you a question. You know, records are great, and I love talking records. I'm a numbers guy. Folks, we're taping this on Thursday afternoon and early evening in the East. On Wednesday night, George Kirby of Seattle threw 24 consecutive strikes. And everybody said, that's the all-time record in baseball. Now, you're pretty old. In the year 1906, Honus Wagner time and uh, Napoleon Lajue time, I'm willing to bet they didn't keep track of every pitch. I know they kept a box score. Maybe until Alan Roth joined the Brooklyn Dodgers in the 50s and the great stat man, maybe then they started keeping track of every pitch. So they might say the all-time record since 1955. Do you think it's the all-time record in baseball? And how the hell do we know if they didn't keep track of every pitch 150 years ago? Fred, that goes back to my great argument about my good friend who passed away recently, Cedric Hardman, who had so many sacks for the 49ers before they had the rule that said this was a sack. Now they had the video. They could go back and look at it all. But the point you're making is valid. Um, you know, records are made made to be broken. I had a record that lasted 38 years. Most field goals in one high school season, 17. And, you know, a coach from Notre Dame, Sherman Oaks, decided that he wanted to break that record. He had a great kicker. He was a great coach now, Chris Saylor, a sailor who beat out Artie Source in his record, who was a Newport Harbor sailor, which I always found very interesting. But the point I'm making is those records are, are mute because you don't know. I guarantee you Walter Johnson probably threw 50 straight strikes, just <laughs> in my opinion. You know, I mean, but that guy had a great performance, and the pitch they called outside looked pretty good to me. <laughs> Folks, do you think that they kept track of every pitch in the year 1906? That's all I'm asking you. Or before. No. Maybe no. in 1950 they started. Maybe in 19... But I will tell you, Alan Roth. Alan Roth goes back to my childhood, listening to to, uh, to uh, Kirk Gowdy say, you know, this is my statistician, Alan Roth. I mean, he's been around for a long, long time. And then you go to uh, Bill James with the baseball abstract, which I think he did a lot of great things for the game of baseball. And so, I mean, the great thing about the game of baseball that people fail to understand it's the nuances. It's the small things. It's getting a guy over from second to third with less than two outs. These are things that people don't even understand now because the game has changed so much. And it's like sticking a guy at second base in the extra innings. When we just went nine innings of great baseball, two, two, three, three, one, one, whatever the score is. And now we're going to like inject a guy into second base. How is that baseball, Fred? Let me ask you a question. You brought up a good point, the ghost runner. So let's yeah. say you come in in the bottom of the 10th and the score is tied and you're the pitcher. You get the first two guys out. Third guy flies to center field. The center fielder drops the ball 
and the winning run scores. So you've done everything you're supposed to. Are you the losing pitcher? You're the losing pitcher, and I think they charge you with a, a run on your earned run average. <laughs> and no, you didn't have a guy at second base. <laughs> because, no, the center fielder dropped the ball, so it's an error. So it's okay, not an error. Oh, it won't be an earned you run. Didn't put, but you didn't put the runner on second base. So are you the losing pitcher? Yeah. It's like, what if it was a duck start to right? You know, <laughs> you're like, this is how I lost the game. I hit a, I made a great pitch, and the guy broke his bat, and it looped over the second baseman's head, and we're done. All right, you mentioned high school. This week, I didn't realize what was going on at major high schools. They're not involved. They're now involved with NIL. Mm-hmm. Folks, name, image, likeness. <laughs> NIL, are we going to start this in, at the age of 10? When are we going to? There's a 12-year-old in modern day that they're thinking okay. about securing with a lot of cash, I heard. <laughs> no, so, come on, you played football. Your job was to turn the uh, – the, the sprinklers on and off, although they were automatic. And that's, that's not a joke. That's That was Artie's job. And it was the lights, not the sprinklers. <laughs> but but at, but at least you were 18. Okay. Now you've got high school kids, NIL. Wouldn't this lead to more high school kids jumping from school to school where the NIL, you can make more money at one school versus the other? Who's to blame for all this? The I think the NCAA, but who do you think? They're all going to wind up in modern day playing for Bruce Rollinson. <laughs> Brad, the rich get richer and the poor get poorer, and this is the world we live in. I mean, it's like Nick Saban got all mad because Kirby Smart was making more money than he made, so he signed a new $93 million contract for seven years. He's going to be older than Methuselah. He's coaching in Alabama in the last year of that contract. I mean, I, I basically said in my article, I love I love Lord Lord Saban. That's what I call him. Rick Neuheisel broke that out. And, but, I mean, he is Lord Saban. And, I mean, what he says goes. And Jimbo, you know, Jimbo, <laughs> Jimbo Fisher's got to hang in there. But the bottom line is $93 million, You're coming up to your 70th birthday. So is he going to be like Pop Warner? I mean, <laughs> is he going to be coaching in his 80s? Folks, so this is Believe Sports Business, Sports Media, also heard on pod clips around the world. He's Art. I'm Fred. You can email us, sportsfredadale.com, sportsfredadale.com. We're taping this on Thursday afternoon, Pacific Daylight Fred, Time. can we talk some Pac-12 football? Come no, on, no, people want to know. But for, in a second, but first I want to talk about this. What NBA player does Russell Westbrook despise the most? Randy Mr. Beverly. Bever- Mr. Beverly, formerly of Utah Jazz, now of the LA Lakers. Now, you don't think that trade was made to force Russell's hand. Now I'm now I'm totally on Russell's side. I hope he takes the 47 million and doesn't show up. Or I mean, he's got to show up. Okay, 47 million and, th- and shoots every time. Go he through gets the, the paces. Ball. Go, go through, through the, the paces. But just get just they're trying to get rid of you, Russell. Tell LeBron to stick it. General manager, he's not, but he really is. Jeannie Buss, I love you, but you're letting LeBron run things, and this is just wrong. Art, tell me what you think. Well, you know, Patrick Beverly plays great defense, and I can understand why, you know, Westbrook, he played, he used to play great defense. He still probably is the best defender on the Lakers right now, but that's not saying a whole lot. But, yes, you're 100% correct there. And, you know, I look at it two different ways, though. 
I say Russell Westbrook could step up and still be a great part of that team by being the emancipator, by, by spreading the ball out and doing what he does well. But you're right. The Lakers are like putting a personal affront in his mug. And, you know, but if he has $47 million coming his way, I show up every day with a smile on my face and do the best I could. But, you know, I guess he and LeBron need to really have a one-on-one. They got to sit down because otherwise, you know how those kind of situations fester on a, 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 any kind of team there is. You have to have everybody focused, going in the same direction, pulling the rope in the same direction. So, yeah, I just think that was a real shot across the bow. And, you know, I'm happy the Lakers got Randy Beverly. Isn't it Jeannie's fault, though? Things of like this are happening. It is, Fred. She's leadership starts at the top. Control. Yeah, She's leadership starts at the top. Control. And, and, okay, and I'm so, going to also blame the, the pseudo-agent, GM, you know, I mean, whatever whatever he does. And, I mean, he, he, hasn't, he hasn't shown – Stan Polinka hasn't shown me a whole lot of leadership. Folks, what do you think about the Russell Westbrook uh, deal? Uh, Patrick Beverly, as Art said, is a fine player. I'm not questioning that, but he, he's the one guy in the league that Russell despises and vice versa. You don't do this even if – I mean – even if you didn't want to get rid of Russell, I mean, you don't want two guys on the same team despise each other, even if the Russell thing hadn't happened last year. So, I mean, I, it's, it's beyond belief that they made a deal. And beyond that, Orton Tucker, off of what I've seen in two years, can be a dynamite player in the NBA. Aren't you seeing him? What do you think? Just give him an opportunity to play, Fred. And, and they, when you bring in these older guys again, which has been the, you know, the Lakers problem and, and pension. You just put yourself in a situation where it's just a matter of time till somebody pulls a muscle. I mean, look at, you know, one of the great tackles in the NFL today, you know, left tackle guarding Dak Prescott, uh, Ty Tryon blows out his Achilles tendon. He's 34 years old. He's been in the league 13 years. Those kind of things start to happen. That's just the way the game is designed. So, I mean, you have to, you have to prepare for the future, and I. But I don't. I don't like putting your team in a situation where there's a locker room problem. That's not good. Watching Gonzaga last year, he saw an 18-year-old kid. Was he seven feet and about 190 pounds? Chet Holmgren, and I said to myself, he's never going to make it through the NBA season. Have you ever met Liz Frank? I'm sorry. Have you ever met Liz Frank? <laughs> so he's not he didn't even make it to the preseason he didn't even make it to the opening practices he already uh, bumped into that caused the problem so if you're oklahoma city what are you thinking now what they should have been thinking when they drafted him i mean the guy is like a cradle full of bones i mean he needs a, he needs a full-time trainer with him four times a day you know with like the health shakes and the whole shot He's seven foot three, and what does he weigh? One hundred and ninety pounds. Yeah, in that range. Yeah, very I mean, top notch basketball player. But there's no doubt about his ability. You know, if hey, he's the best three point shooter I've ever seen over seven feet tall. That's a pretty good point, actually, folks. Uh, email us sportsfredao.com, sportsfred at aol.com. Um, all right, the Pac-12, uh, 11, or Pac-10, whatever it is. What do you think, Art? 
Well, you know, I, I looked at it really closely. We, we did a show about college football and the Pac-12 especially. Four good teams, four potentially great teams. You got Oregon, you got USC, you got Utah. And Utah's the, the, the thing that makes them special. They can actually play defense, new concept in football. And, uh, you know, and also UCLA, I got to tell you, they picked up a couple of twins that are edge rushers. I guess they were playing last year uh, at North Texas State. And these these kids are supposed to be real unbelievable. So a lot of people like UCLA as the underdog in the Pac-12. Now, we, their, their early schedule is not going to show a whole lot. I mean, they've got the Sisters of the Blind and Bowling Green, I think they play. and I mean, we'll know when they have to go to Colorado on the road because Colorado's not a great team, but we're going to find out if they can play against kids that know how to play football. And then they have to play Oregon, Washington, and I think Stanford. So we're going to find out in October if Chip Kelly's for real. But right now, I would have to say Oregon and SC – you know, and what happened to Stanford? Didn't they have like 10 years there where they played great football under David Shaw? Now they've got an NFL quarterback, Tanner McKee, but they're not supposed to win four or five games. So it'll be interesting to see. We have two years of the old Pac-12 together, and now I'm hearing Oregon and Cal and Washington. There could be two conferences in the Big Ten, the Big 20, a West and an East, and – they asked, uh, they, they asked Kevin Warren on Real Sports, uh, might you go up from 16 to 20? And uh, apparently he said yes. So they didn't show that part, but uh, Brian Gumbel talked about it Isn't later. It amazing how that was kind of cut out of the whole program? I'm not sure why exactly, but uh, anyway, so Brian because did. Of the, legally, because of the regents in, in, in California, and, you know, they got to really want to kind of watch what they're doing. Folks, this is Believe uh, Sports Business, Sports Media. He is Art. I am Fred. Also, heard a pod clips around the world. Um, so, Artie Marino bought the Angels in 203, and the team is now worth like, $2.8 billion. I think he bought it for $380 million or something like you know, that. No, ESPN had a fire sale. It was Cap City. So, who do you think is going to buy the team? That's a great question, Fred. I mean, to me, the Angels and what they're all about, if the Dodgers are worth $6, 7000000000 and the Yankees are worth 8 the Cowboys are worth 8 I mean, I would say the Angels, they got to be worth $3. Um, who I'd like to see by the Angels? Wow. I, I'd like to see our crazy uh, Tesla owner by the Angels. How about Steve at least Ballmer? he would – yeah, at least Elon Musk would probably go in there and say, hey, let's get another five guys like like uh, Trout and Otani, and maybe we could do this thing right. What about Frank McCourt? Oh, my God. Do we need another parking lot? He he would know how to control the parking, I think, don't you think? I, I think he'd be a he great one. say McCourt. <laughs> oh, my God. I, I would really rather see uh, – Oh, I can't go there. I'll get in trouble. Caruso, the, the guy that's running for mayor, he can buy the Angels. No, I'm serious about Bomber, though. I, I think uh, he's willing to spend. Um, he knows sports. Um, if you read his background, uh, 
he was a straight A student, so he's very sharp mathematically. And mm-hmm. uh, he made his billions already in the tech field. And uh, I think uh, he wants to win. I don't know if they're going to stay in Anaheim, but. Uh, uh, oh, okay, yeah, you're so Wednesday the, night. Are you talking about the Clipper owner? Yeah. Huh. You know, he lives in Laguna. He got a beautiful house up in the hill there. That's not a bad oh, call. I, mean, I, think, I think it would be. I think it'd be great. So Wednesday, does he does he stay, hang out above the dugout and screaming and yelling like he does at the Clipper games? Yeah, uh, Wednesday. I mean, when's the last time you saw Artie at, a, at, a, at an Angel game? Uh, so I mean, first I'm of, happy. Well, with, I think the first of never. <laughs> I, I'm not sure I've seen him in ten years or fifteen. But years. I haven't I, seen Rendon much lately either. So <laughs> he's gone for the year. Uh, I got a hunch now that. Trout and Matani, if not both, one of them for sure, probably going to leave soon. So, um, well, Trout's looking have... for properties in Cherry Hills, New Jersey, is from what I hear. Well, he's from that area. I mean, it's, it's only fitting that he wants to go home. And uh, with the all, oh, you know, somebody asked him, "What do you want?" He said, "I want to win." I think that's. I think that I believe him. I think that you tells know, I've it all. Watched the last couple of games from Tampa Bay, and I believe he's homered in the last two games. And I think that might be the only two runs the Angels have scored. And now we're looking at, you know, like year 10 of a career of a, of a generational player, Fred. It's, we can giggle and laugh, but the bottom line is, please give this guy a, a surrounding cast. I mean, we've known this. We've talked about this for three years. Go out and acquire some good pitching. Develop some good pitching. We thought they had a kid to throw a new, new uh, no-hitter earlier this year. He winds up, you know, with a four and a six record or whatever that, that's all about. You know, it, it's tough. It is tough. But there's something going on within that organization. I've never been able to put a finger on it. But it's almost as if they are they have like a bad juju or something. In our last couple of minutes, so you think uh, Hanser Alberto of the Dodgers will replace Craig Kimbrell as the closer? If you've wow, seen – you seen? Uh, I mean, he's got the stuff to do it. You know, it does he have those? <laughs> Let me ask you a question. Let me ask you a question. I'm going to tell you. Actually, the guy that I want to see closing games in October is Dustin May when he comes back. We'll turn him into a closer. Let me ask you a question. Because he can't pitch that I've much because, it. you know, I've the arm's him. not that strong. I've seen Hanser Roberto play third base. Mm-hmm. He's got a good arm. Yeah. Why? Why is he throwing at 50 miles an hour when he can throw 75 or 85? I, th- I think third basemen sometimes get a little gun shy. I mean, we saw what happened with Steve Sachs. He was a second baseman. But, you know, I always – the less I thought when I played third base, and I wasn't a good third baseman, good first baseman. The hardest thing is you make a good pick, you make the play, and, you know, you want to turn and fire. And you want to throw it hard with the seam so it has that little – that little fade back to the first baseman. But I see guys, a lot of guys in Major League Baseball feeling in the glove trying to find those seams. And, and I mean, I've always said it, if you do it in a flowing motion, you're much better off. I mean, you watch watch Manny Machado play short or, or third. It, it's all done with flow. It's like playing watching Tito Fuentes play second base. I mean, he... He just, he was all in flow. And that's what, that's what great fielders do. They have great flow. And uh, Greg Nettles was another one of those kind of guys. Greg Nettles didn't have a great arm, but he, he, he took the ball in and he, everything came out just perfect. And 
He knew what everybody who was running down the line, so he knew what to throw, when to throw it. That's There's something to be said for that. Professionalism in baseball fundamentally is not what it was 25 years ago. Art, in our last minute, uh, give us uh, your last word for Believe Sports Business, Sports Media. Well, you know, we got the LIV and the PGA Tour still bickering at each other. You know, they're, they're saying the case might not even reach court till 2024. So that's like, you know, that, that puts a damper on everything. Meanwhile, both tours are spending money like crazy. The players are coming out ahead. So I think that's a good thing. Um, you know, I, I looked at some of the things that are going on. You know, the NFL, what's, what's Tony Garoppolo going to do? Where is he going to wind up? I mean, too good a quarterback to be stuck never playing. Um, college football, week zero. What's week zero really about, Fred? Isn't there another number we could throw in there, like week 1A or <laughs> like a horse race? I love the week zero stuff. Um, the other thing I was going to say is pennant races. You know, I mean, the only real pennant races going on right now, you know, Atlanta continuing to put pressure on the Mets. You got the Cleveland Guardians. What a story they've become. I mean, their first year as the Guardians, they make go to the playoffs. And who would have thunk that? So that's what we got going on. It's, you know, we're right there. The NFL is still a couple, three weeks away. I'm looking forward to college football. And, of course, most importantly, we're coming into fall, which is the best time of the year. It's going to cool down a little bit. Uh, this, this, this heat back here in the east and what you guys have been dealing with in California, it's crazy times. I'm looking forward to Russell and Beverly getting into a fight the first practice when the Lakers open up practice. All right. For That's going to be Mario. next week or something. Very soon. <laughs> basketball for, start for, right for Mario, I am Fred. We'll see you around the corner. Believe sports business, sports media. Also, of course, heard on pod clips. Bye everybody. Thank you for listening to believe you can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.